student at Northwestern, and my life has forever been changed. So thank you to Paul and Karen, and just uh, that was a joy. Contemporary music, that was <laughs> the joy of growing up in the world is uh, not knowing some of those songs sometimes. But um, if you got your Bibles, uh, open them up to uh, Matthew or Luke 24. Put a marker there, and then turn to Matthew chapter seven. And uh, if you don't have notes, uh, there's I think some. They're still up here. We're going to be talking about a divine marriage. We're going to be talking about the word of God in prayer. And this is uh, exciting for me because I really feel like God is, this is going to be a, a fairly practical message. But before we get there, I want to lay a little bit of a framework and some understanding and, and confront some things that often keep us from a life in the word, some intimidation, some lies that the enemy tries to use. I'm just going to pray one more time. Yes. Hallelujah. Glorious Father, we come before you. We take our stand before you, God, on that sea of glass. We join the elders and the angels. Declare your majesty and your glory. You who created all things. You sit above the circle of the earth. You who are enthroned in the praises of your people. We love you. We worship you. And God, I ask tonight by the Holy Spirit, you would open our understanding. Uh, you release understand. Let your word run swiftly and be glorified in our hearts. Uh-huh. We acknowledge our dependence upon you, Holy Spirit. You're the teacher. Come fire on the word. Uh-huh. Name and the fame and the glory and the majesty of Christ Jesus, we ask God. That he would be seen as supreme and treasured above anything else. That he alone would be worshipped in this place. God, that is our cry. That's why we're here. To encounter you. So, in the same way that uh, in a marriage, the bringing together of a husband and a wife produces life, there is a divine marriage in the heart of God that he has orchestrated that life for the believer would flow from intimacy with him and revelation of his word. And that those two are inseparable. And I think as we talk about prayer, we, we need to talk about the word because Without the word, we don't understand who we're praying to, what we're praying, why we're praying, how to pray. And what happens is when, when we're not rooted and grounded in the, the authority of God's word, our prayers become powerless and aimless and Christless, and they ultimately lead to apostasy often, deception. So we want to be people of the word, and I, and I love it in my own life because I feel like part of what God's called me to is to bridge gaps between the charismatics and the evangelicals, and I, I love I love the bride of Christ. And when I'm around evangelicals, I'm like, the spirit, the spirit, the spirit. And I'm around the charismatics, I'm like, the word, the word, the word. And, and it's true because God's he's, he's bringing the strengths of the two together. We, we don't have to choose and we can't afford to choose. We need a both. We need deep understanding of the word and we need life in our spirit. We need, we need encounters with God. And so that's what I want to talk about is God's bringing a joining of those two together and... Uh, there's, if you look at um, Matthew 7, if you've got your Bible open, we're going to read a little bit here, and uh, let me just lay a little context. We're in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, but we're going to look at verse 24. And this, is, uh, this has just really been on my heart because, well, we'll just read this and I'll tell you. Okay, so he gets done talking. He's, it's been 103 verses of him establishing what many call the Constitution of the Kingdom of Heaven. And uh, the lifestyle that we're called to embrace as Christians. And he says, therefore, 
in light of everything I've told you, verse 24, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Everybody say, hears and does. Hears and does. Say it again. Hears and hears. does. Hears and does. One more time. Hears, hears. And, does. and does. He says, whoever hears and does my words, my sayings, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. So what's the picture Jesus is giving here? Is he's saying, each of us, our lives are like a house, and we're building it, and we all have a choice upon which foundation we're going to build. And he says that the thing that actually tests your life is the wind, the rain, and the storm. And the truth is, it's going to come upon every life. He says, but it's not until it comes that we actually recognize what we're building upon. And he says, here's the life that is unshakable. Here's the life that is unmovable. In light of what's coming, he says, build your life on hearing and doing. It says in James that one of the most deceptive things is to be a hearer and not a doer. And that's, that's a temptation in my life is to be, you know, that's oftentimes normal charismatic culture is we're around it all the time. We, we adopt the language of it. We got the t-shirt from the conference. We're regular attenders. We're, in, we're surrounded by people who are in it. And oftentimes, we never enter into the lifestyle that God's called us to. And he says, here's wisdom. Hear and do. What are the chances you're going to do if you haven't first heard? We're talking about the importance of the Word of God, the relevance of the Word of God. Guys, this is more than me wanting tonight to encourage you that you're Quiet time will be a little more exciting. Now, I think it will be, and I hope it is. But this is about your life making it. Jesus says, without the word, you are building upon a foundation that will not stand. Wow. Yeah. I don't know about you, but that, that, that strikes the fear of the Lord in my heart. Amen. We spent the last hour upstairs praying for the fear of the Lord. Oh. Because it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. We want it. And Jesus says, this is the wisdom in this life. He says, it's not building upon a career. It's not building upon all these other things that are being held out as sure foundations. He says, it's upon hearing and doing Amen. my word. That's intense. Wow. It's really intense. And we're going to be a people that do that by the grace of God. Yes. Every one of you guys are going to be people that builds their lives upon the word. So, point B. When it comes to the Bible, here's what I found in just a few years of walking with Jesus. That there's two now, these aren't the only accusations, but there's two primary categories of accusations that come against Christians from Satan that try to keep them from the Word of God. And the first one is, and I'm going to tell some stories. The first lie is it's not relevant. That somehow the Word is too restrictive and it's it's just a dead letter and you don't need it. And, and, and what it does is it produces boredom and it causes us to cast off restraint, right? And it ultimately leads to lawlessness. And uh, this lie breeds rebellion and, and disinterest in the things of God and often an arrogant attitude towards the Word. Wow. Yep. I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story. I, I, I grew up in a Christian home, and I, as far back as I can remember, until uh, seventh grade, I never read the Bible. I, I, went, I went to church some Sundays, and sometimes we didn't. And I remember um, my first encounter with the Word of God, or I, it didn't make sense to me why you read it. It was just incredibly boring, to be honest. And uh, I went to a Christian basketball camp in seventh grade, and I remember that they, they just genius. I mean, the guy just totally 
set everyone up. He gave credit. There's like ultimately like this all-star team they pick and, and like an MVP, and it's based upon all these categories of points. And one of the, the categories was memorizing scripture. Yeah. <laughs> and so because I wanted to, you know, yeah. do that, I, 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 for the first time I started reading the Bible. And, I, and I, he, had a, he had a sheet of scriptures you could memorize and then quote it back. And I, I'd say him like a hundred, like not a hundred, but probably ten times. And then I'd just like run to this coach and tell it to him quick. And he'd check it off and I'd get a point and I'd go back and... It's funny because I ended up getting, I memorized quite a few verses, which was purely for the sake of getting an award. And, uh, and, and I got a Bible, and it was my first Bible. It was a New Living Translation. I remember it went on my uh, shelf, and it sat there for another 13 years, I think. But um, here, my story is, and so then I grew up a little bit, ninth grade, went to confirmation. Uh, high school, I got born again. I gave my life to Jesus. And no one ever taught me why or how or why I'd care about reading the Bible. I just came and listened to someone else tell me about God, and then I went and did what I could. And and uh, what happened to us, this is interesting. And, and the reason I'm telling you all this is because I know for some of you, um, you've bought into this lie that it, it's, it's not important or that you can't understand it. And I want to just really give you hope that I am the least likely person to be teaching the Bible. And I'm not saying that to try to be humble or to exaggerate and make a point. I'm really serious. I got D minuses in all my Bible classes. I had an encounter with Jesus on drugs. I transferred to Northwestern, and I had to take Bible classes, but I'd never read the Bible. And I would go take a test, having not opened it once. And I, just from being around Sunday school enough, I could pick up enough points, and I, I passed my classes barely. Barely. I think I got D minuses in all of them, maybe failed one or two. And I know I failed a couple. <laughs> and then something interesting happened. I met Jesus. And this, I'm just going to tell this story. It's related to, actually, just flip to Luke 24. You got your marker there. This is so intense, guys, because I, I wouldn't have believed you if you stood up here and told me this. But I experienced it, and it radically changed my life, and it was like, wow. What happened was I was listening to a sermon, um, and at this point I had started to re- reading the Bible I think uh, I read through the New Testament once, and I was it was becoming alive, and God was beginning to speak to me because I had actually surrendered. And let me just little pause for a second. If you want to grow in the prophetic, and you want to grow in hearing the voice of God, it's not about technique. It's about a heart. Yes. The moment I genuinely repented and genuinely surrendered to Jesus, he began to speak to me out of the word. It was the strangest thing. And, and what happens oftentimes is, I don't know if, you know this, but related to prayer, sometimes some people, God won't answer. There's some lifestyles that God doesn't approve of. And I could have prayed all day long when I was in college using drugs in blatant rebellion to God, and it would have done me no good until I turned. Wow. And so if you want to understand the Bible, it's not about, and I want to say this, that we, we've been told a lie that, you know, if you don't go to seminary, you can't understand the Bible. Now, I, I love seminary. If you're called to go... I'd encourage you. The seminary Paul started, am I? I'm not giving it a plug because I, I genuinely think it's an awesome seminary. And if you're called to go, go. But don't buy into the lie that if you don't, you can't understand the scriptures. And it's not important for you. And that you don't need to live a life in the word. Why? Because Jesus said, if you don't hear and do the word, your life will fall apart. That's right. You know, the old, the old saying is, um, the devil will keep you from this book. Sin will keep you from this book. 
And this book will keep you from sin. So you have a choice to make. And, and so I bought into a lot of lies about the Word of God, and I had this encounter. And so Matthew 24, it's interesting story. Uh, what, what's going on here is Jesus is raised from the dead, and he, uh, he encounters the two disciples on the road. And Luke 24. Luke 24, what did I say? Yeah, Luke 24, sorry. What I, what I think I might have said the first time. So what's going on here is, if you look at verse 27, so Jesus is walking with them. They're asking questions. Man, what's going on with the Messiah? And, and he just, he breaks in. He goes, oh, foolish ones, verse 25. Slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And he, it says, and beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wow. And then they invite him in and they have dinner with him, right? I mean, this is the resurrected Christ. Powerful, right? Yeah. It says in verse 31, he opens their eyes. Their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And then they turn to one another. I love this verse. And they go, didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? That, that was a foreign thought to me in my, in my upbringing that the word of God would actually move me on the inside. Wow. I, I never had that experience. Until I was 21, the, the February of 2007, I hear this guy get up and start preaching on the book of Job. And he's preaching on the glory of God and the questions that Job, that God asked Job. Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Have you seen the storehouse of snow? Have you sent out lightning? And he's just, and all of a sudden, this, the strangest thing happens. I never read this verse, but I began to feel fire in my spirit and not like heartburn on your physical heart but in my spirit i felt alive and i literally i still have the notebook from this i I had a notebook and i had it open i started writing my heart is burning i literally wrote that i started underlining i'm like this is the strangest thing what is going on And, and all of a sudden i just became so hungry for the bible it had nothing to do with anything i had ever done it was like this. You wouldn't look at a poor homeless beggar who just got sat down in front of Old Country Buffet <laughs> who's just eating nonstop and go, wow, you're dedicated. <laughs> it was so strange. I had people go, wow, you're really dedicated. I go, it has nothing to do with dedication. I found the source of life. Oh, wow. My heart is burning when I open up the word. The God who wrote it is alive. The God who wrote it is speaking to me. I didn't know that this could happen. I didn't know that this was available to, to a Christian. I thought it was a dead book. And then God opened and this and this is cool because it goes on in the next few verses. And it goes down in verse 45 and it says, He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. I love this. So here's what happens. They're on the road. He opens the Bible to them. All of a sudden their eyes get opened. And then their heart begins to burn. There's the process. You open the Bible. It opens your eyes and your heart begins to burn. That's your inheritance in the Bible. And I'll tell you, when you taste that, nothing compares. I don't read the Bible to impress people. I read the Bible so my heart's alive. But some of you, that's that's foreign. Because you've grown up believing it's not relevant. it, it It doesn't mean anything to me. Or the second lie, and let me just say this. So this one, this lie breeds lawlessness. And uh, let me just explain. The next lie I want to talk about breeds legalism. And the difference is 
Legalism says this. Legalism says you're saved by works. Lawlessness says you're saved without works. But liberty, which is the Christian biblical perspective, says you're saved for works. And they're good works. And they're works of love. And so I open the Bible and I don't open it going, oh, I hope I get God's attention and I earn something. I go, I already have it. I've seen the cross. I've seen the empty tomb. I know he's alive and he wants to speak with me. I would be foolish to neglect that. It has nothing to do with dedication. It has nothing to do with trying to earn something or impress someone. I was meant to live, not just with food. And God bless, you know, Chinese buffet. I love Chinese. I like food because I was made to eat food too. But I, I touched something greater. I was meant to live on every word. And when the spirit makes the word come alive, it's a, we'll get to it in a second. But I mean, the word of God in prayer. I'll just say this. Some people get an idea of prayer, and this is maybe what I would have assumed early on, is I hear these people talking about having a prayer life, and I'm like, it's not some mystical experience where you go off and close your eyes and hope you see, you know, this blue ball of smoke, and somehow you get intimacy with God. It's really, really simple. You open the Word, and you behold the glory of God in the face, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. In the face of Jesus Christ. How do you grow in intimacy? You open the word. You read it. You let God talk to you. And then you talk to him about it. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight is pray reading. That might be a new phrase. We're going to talk about pray reading the Bible. Because I would never put those two together. So, the second lie. So there's some verses there about the importance of the word. I mean, guys, I could preach all night. For the, and I could preach the rest of my life on the importance of the word, and I there would be so much anointing on it because the Holy Spirit is so serious yeah. about speaking to us out of His foreign language. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hear people that are trying to go off and hear the voice of God, and they want to have the encounter, they want to have that, and it's like, will you even be able to discern it if you don't know what He said to Jeremiah? Wow. Will you even be able to discern if the angel is of the Lord or not if you don't know what He said to Daniel wow. or to Peter or to Paul? And the cool part about that is, you know, I'm still waiting for the visitation. And I want to get taken up to heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm fair game for all that. I want it. But here's the good thing. Even if it doesn't happen, I still have intimacy with Jesus. I open this up. I say, Holy Spirit, breathe life on it. It's awesome. It's just a matter of doing it. So, so there's a verse in 2 Timothy you guys are aware of that the scripture is God-breathed. And it's inspired it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped. I don't know about you, but I want a life that is thoroughly equipped. And I'll, I'll be honest, some of you guys don't like to read. That's where I was. Before I got saved, I wouldn't read unless I was incredibly passionate about what I was reading. And the only thing that even came close to me being passionate about enough to read was poker. And so I played poker, and so I read some poker books, and that's it. I didn't like to read. And then I encountered Jesus, and a hunger was awakened, and it was like, I got to know more. I got to know more. I got to know more. And, and, I don't, and I never read the Bible to tell people about it or to, I mean, that's not the goal. The goal is, and actually, I got a clear word from the Lord today for us as a community, and it's James 5, verse 8. And it says that the, the Lord is at hand, and he says, establish your hearts, for he's at hand. He's coming. The judge is at the door. Wow. 
James 5 8. He says, because the Lord is coming, because it's an urgent hour, here's what we do. We establish our hearts in truth. Because it says that men's hearts will fail because of fear. And so it's not about establishing your retirement fund. I think savings biblical, and that's fine. But it's about establishing your heart in truth. So I open it and I say, God, I need you to transform me on the inside. And I get to encounter him every day in that. So that's fun. The second lie is, well, and the other verse I have on there is John 12, which, I mean, this is how incredibly relevant the Bible is to your life. Jesus says, he who rejects me and does not receive my words, he has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Do you know there's not going to be any surprises if you stand before the judgment seat of Christ? It's all right here. It's all right here. Everything you need to know. He's not keeping anything a secret. The devil's just trying to keep you from your inheritance. The Bible was written for uneducated, untrained people like you and I. I, I, we're going to get to that in a second. Amen. So the second lie is that it's too difficult to understand. And interestingly enough for me, here, here's, here's my journey. I believed that lie. And I was intimidated by the Bible, and I thought, that's way over my head. I'm not educated enough. And then the worst part was I covered it up with my pride and acted like it wasn't important or relevant. So it's, it was really, I believe, both of these strongly. And God had to deal with them, or I was going to continue to live a life of sin. Remember what David said in the Psalms? I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So it's the power of the word of God getting on the inside of you that keeps you from sin. It's glorious. It's not magic. It's fellowshipping with the word. It's talking to Jesus about what he's written. So it's a lie. You know, some people are like, man, I don't know where to start. I remember a story where I was out with a buddy who I had just gotten filled with the spirit and he, he was discipling me. Awesome man of God. He's like, we're going to go out to the mall and uh, pray for some people. I'm like, oh, that's intense, but yeah, I'm in, I guess. Man, maybe their heart will burn like mine did. I'm sure that'll convince them. Because, man, I would, yeah. And so we get out, we pray for some sick people, and, and then we go to the food court, and he has this Bible study manual by Derek Prince, and it was just basically a, a standard Bible study, and, and he opens it up, and he hands me the Bible, and he goes, read this verse, and he goes, Jeremiah, whatever, or Isaiah, somewhere in the Old Testament. And, and I was, shame came over me because I didn't know where that was. I didn't know where that was. And I was like fumbling, like looking to the front, kind of hoping he doesn't know. Yeah, that's okay if you don't know the Bible yet. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. I did, four years ago, I couldn't tell you if Nahum was a book. I didn't, uh, maybe? <laughs> I, I was in Bible study enough that I knew that song about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Letter, Romans, yeah. you, know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> But that shame came at me, and it almost kept me from humbling myself and going, I, I, I don't know where that is yet. And he kindly, awesomely just showed me, and I began to learn. I was like, okay, I can get this. Okay, I can figure out where the books are. What's going on here? Who's he writing to? What's this all about? And I, this hunger was awakened that, like, you mean I actually can know this? Like, God, you can actually teach me the Bible? I can actually have understanding? And the truth is, I, I had a great compliment a, a week ago by a, a, a girl who was like, You've given me courage that I can understand the Bible without going to seminary. And I'm like, oh my goodness, praise God. And, and I don't understand at all, but I, I went from a place of believing I never could to like, wow, I, I think I understand a little bit of what's going on here by the grace of God. And that, that is what he wants for all of us. That's right. Really, he wants that for all of us. It doesn't matter if you ever teach it, 
or preach it or sing it publicly. That's not the point. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the inner life That's right. that we have with the Word. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's good. And what happens is this this legalism comes, and, and some of you have grown up in this where you're you're always feeling condemned for I'm not reading enough, I don't know enough, I'm not good enough, and and the shame and the condemnation comes on you, and you just you, you think about reading the Bible, and it's like ah ah that's just and we want to deal with that. God wants to break yeah. that lie off you. Yeah. And, and here's the thing I love. Actually, just flip real quick to Mark, Mark four. This is a cool parable. And, uh, and I want to encourage you that the Word of God is so supernaturally powerful. Uh, I don't fully get it. But it has power to change you even when you aren't understanding what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. He goes, here's the parable. Mark 4, verse 26 through 29. This is a cool parable. It says, the kingdom of God... As if a man should scatter seed. And he actually just got done telling the parable of the sower. And he explains that that seed is the word. right? And he says, a man should scatter seed on the ground and he should sleep by night and rise by day. And the, she, the, the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth, and he, and he uses the example of the earth. The earth yields crop by itself. First blade, then head. And then the full grain in the head. And when the grain ripens, immediately puts the sickle because the harvest has come. And then obviously, there's not necessarily dogmatic interpretation. But I think one of the things he's highlighting here is that when the word of God goes into a heart, you don't even need to understand how it's producing change, but it is. And you just your job is to sow it. Sow it. What does it say? Galatians 6. Don't lose heart. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever you sow, you reap. And here's what happens with some people. They go, oh, I'm going to go after the Bible. And they read it for a week, and they feel discouraged, and they go, nothing really changed. I'm, I'm giving up on that. That's a lie. That's a lie. You don't go to the gym and work out for a week and go, uh, it doesn't work. No, you stick with it. I guarantee it will transform you. I, and by the grace of God, I was able to stick with it over that initial resistance of, uh, is it worth it? And, and it has reaped so much fruit in my life. The word of God is so powerful. It is so powerful. And the cool part is you just you just plan it. And sometimes I'll just read massive amounts of scripture and I, I go, I don't really know what I just read. That's okay. If you stick with it, it'll become it'll come on. And then sometimes you have the freedom where the Lord lands on something, you just sit there. I mean I sometimes I'll read through a whole bunch, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Sometimes I'll, I, I had a time where I sat for a week on one verse. Wow. And it just kept hitting me. And it was just like, oh. And the verse is actually Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. And I just kept saying, oh my. I just kept saying it and writing it and singing it. Like literally like a couple hours a day for a week. And I want to tell you, there was specific moments from that point that I remember being rejected or mistreated or the all the issues of life going on and offense is coming and I remember out of my heart coming, Father, forgive them. And I'm going, that's not the flesh. God, you are really good at just transforming me by your word. I didn't earn it, but I just agreed with, Father, forgive them. And it's not emotionally necessarily what I felt like, but it was truth and it had taken root. So I want to encourage you that the word will have its way. I love that Acts 4.13 there, that verse you see underneath. It says, when they, the religious leaders of the day, saw 
the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. They realized what? They bowed Jesus. Uneducated, untrained people that are with Jesus. I love that verse. I got to spend a little time doing jail ministry. I remember being in this group of guys, and I don't know what to share. I'm intimidated. I'm the only white guy in the room. And just experiencing the context of the gospel being presented in different ways. And I'm like, Lord, what do I share that will encourage these guys? And I remember the Lord speaking to me out of 1 Corinthians 1. He says, tell them that not many mighty, not many noble are called. And I go, wow, that's a word for me. That's encouraging. Does that encourage you? That it, it, you don't have to be at the top of the top, the elite of the, you know, social status in our, in our country to be used by God. I mean, I love this. Uh, Paul wrote a good article on 1 John 2 and just the dangerous reality of this verse. He says, the anointing which you've received from him abides in you. And you don't need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie... And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Now, that doesn't mean teachers aren't important to the body of Christ. Paul obviously makes it clear that God's given us apostles, prophets, and ancestors, teachers. But what he's saying is you're not dependent upon a man anymore. The author lives inside you. The author lives inside you. That's so awesome. And then there's another verse on the Holy Spirit leading us in the truth. So... What I want to say about these, these two realities is if you've been in one of those camps that you go, you know what, I don't really see the importance and the relevance of the word, or I just think it's too hard to understand, it's not. It's okay. And, and I want to give you a couple tools today, and I want to just encourage you to get some. There's a few resources out there that really make things pretty clear that, you know, I we have a few tools at the house that if I'm going to study a book, and there's a lot of ways to study the Bible, it can be. Topic by topic. I think the best, one of the best ways is book by book. So you're getting the theme and the context of what that author is trying to to relay, and you're able to enter in a little bit to the context of uh, you know when it's being written. And understanding just a few of those things will really demystify much of the language of the scriptures and all those things. So it's incredibly rele- relevant. I mean, it sustains the entire universe. The at every moment. I mean, this book testifies to the man. The living word. It's so awesome. And I remember, actually, this is a cool dream that a, a spiritual father had about the word. So he, he was in the occult, and he was teaching things like uh, astral projection and saying and psychic type stuff. And uh, he had a miraculous healing. He got healed. Long story short, it was pretty radical, actually. He, he was watching the television, Pat Robertson, he flips on the channel, Pat Robertson stops, and at this point he had had this heart condition, and he was hardly able to move, he was on painkillers, and he was about ready to die. He turns the channel, Pat Robertson stops in mid-sentence and says, God wants to heal a man of a heart condition. He's like, he starts laughing, and he, he like makes some mocking joke to his wife about that. Flips two stations later, or a couple stations later, Benny Hinn is preaching, and he stops in the middle of his sentence. He says, a man in the Midwest, God wants to heal your heart condition. Wow. And he goes, I think that might be for me. And as he just says that, the fire of God comes on him, and he's instantly healed. And he's like, oh, my goodness, i got to get a Bible. <laughs> well, a true story. And him and his wife go out, and they buy like six Bibles, and he comes home, and this is a really fun story. He comes home, and he's irate. 
Because he looks at the Bible and he goes, that's it? I'm going to read that in like a day. That's way smaller than I thought. So he goes to bed that night. And this is the point I'm trying to make. He goes to bed that night. This is classic. Jesus is so good. He has a dream. And in his dream, he's on this dock. And there's this huge cruise liner, like a huge cruise ship. And there's this light radiating from this thing. And he's like totally taken back. He's like, what's going on? What is this? And the Lord speaks to him and he says this. He says, it's finite on the outside, but it's infinite on the inside. I'll say it again. He said it's finite on the outside, but it's infinite on the inside. He's speaking about the word of God. The Bible, I mean, the book itself is finite, but it's testifying and revealing a God who is infinite. There's no there's no limit to the revelation you can receive. I mean, that that's pretty intense. And he's in deliverance ministry now, and he's Praise God. I mean, but that, that was one of the coolest stories. The Bible is infinite on the inside. And we get to have a, an escorted tour of it by the Holy Spirit. And, and the God who wrote it loves us, and it's food for us. And oh, I want to tell you, it's, it's, it's a miracle that God has given me a hunger for the Bible. And, and I, I'm not saying this again to try to be humble. My heart was harder probably than anyone's here. Like really, I was totally resistant and obstinate to the Word of God. You couldn't have forced me to read it. I had no desire. And then God changed my heart. He wants to give us hunger. It's a gift. But we have to steward it. Like I was saying, there's, there's certain lifestyles that are in disagreement. And if I continue to walk in that lifestyle, it's going to rob me of the seed. Okay? So we want to consecrate ourselves. We want, we, want, we want to turn from those things that are in opposition to the word. And I'll tell you, a lot of times when we do that, God is just so gracious. So quick. So it's, it's great because I, I don't read the Bible because I feel condemned and I need to earn the favor of God. Rather, I'm free to go on the journey of discovering God's heart towards me and med- by meditating upon it. It's like, I know he loves me. I know I have his favor. I know I have the righteousness of God in Christ. And so I, I open the word and it's the most unique principle just how God did it. He says, we get transformed, and he said it really well, by beholding. We look at it, it's like a mirror. I look at it, it tells me who I am in Christ, it tells me who God is, and it actually changes me. Let's continue to look at it. Okay, we're going to skip through this next part pretty quick. Um, this isn't by any way, by any means, the fullness of, I just threw out three goals of pray reading the scripture. And, and I just want to say this, that it's, it's important to have a vision for your Bible time. Um, because that helps you restrain and be consistent and stay zealous. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of times for a while when I was young, I, I'd show up at the meeting and just pull the Bible roulette and flip open and read. And God used it a little bit. But I began to go, there's got to be a better way to do this. So I set up a plan. And these guys have been talking about it. And it's, it, it really help, is helpful. And now you're always open to the Holy Spirit moving you one way or another. But I remember when I was at this one Bible study, we'd always show up and we'd introduce ourselves. And they'd always ask you, where do you live? And like half the group, it was the strangest thing, they'd say a Bible passage as where they've been living. And I didn't know that I was like, but I began to ask people, I'm like, where are you at in the Word? Where are you at in the Word this week? And I'm saying that not to like condemn you and like, I'm analyzing, you're going to be wrong. You know, none of that, it's, I want you to be able to give expression to what God's sharing with you. Because I mean, we have, I don't know, 50 of us in here. 50 sets of eyes in the scripture. I want to be able to draw from what God's given you, and I want to be able to share, and it just produces life. Yeah. 
So find a place in the Word. Find a book, find a topic that you want to study, and then when you get done, go to the next one. Hallelujah. Okay. So the threefold goal of, of prayer reading the Scripture is first, intimacy with God. Well, and I have that verse at the bottom there, Acts 20. It's a cool verse. It, it, Paul's leaving Ephesus, and he's leaving them with his final thoughts. And he says, Brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, or the word of his power, the word of his strength, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are being sanctified. My inheritance is related to, what is it again? Hearing and doing. Hearing and doing. So the primary goal is intimacy with Jesus. And and, it, and like I said earlier about intimacy, it's not a mystical thing. It's I behold him. Here, here's, the, here's the nature of, of intimacy. Knowledge gives birth to affection. Let me say, it, it's important in our culture, we, we, ex, we talk a lot about experiential love and affection and, and having those encounters. Those are awesome and critical for our relationship with, God, with the Lord. And we want to emphasize those. And we want to go after those. But we got to understand that the fruit of intimacy, or I'm sorry, that the, the experiences are the fruit of intimacy, not the substance. The substance is knowledge of the word, knowledge of the man, knowledge of God. And it's the coolest um, process because here's what happens. I find out he loves me. I grow an understanding of who he is, which causes more love to abound, which causes me to go after more. I call it the life cycle. It's just like he reveals himself to you, you're blown away, and you're now hungry to go after more of him. And he reveals more of himself, and you're hungry to go after more, and it's awesome. But the thing about God is he's not an object that we acquire information about. He's a person. He's a person that we're called to know. And uh, it's Bible study is more than getting accurate information. Demons have accurate information. True. They do. Yeah. But they're unwilling to obey. They're rebellious. They're not in a relationship with. They're not submitted to God. And so we want to be about understanding him by experience through the scriptures. So love is the fruit of the knowledge. And, and that is relational knowledge, not merely factual. Does that make sense? So the more we know him by revelation, the more intimate we become with him. And the more intimate we come, become with him, the more revelation we receive. It's glorious. It's awesome. The more we know him, the more we love him, the more we love him, the more we want to know him. And it's just awesome. And it's all related to the word of God. And so that is the primary purpose um, of us pray reading the scriptures. The second is transformation. These are just a couple of scriptures that came to mind. And then the third is proclamation. And so obviously... Those are both important, but they, they come secondary. Um, but but I want to say there's a lot of you here that God's raising up to proclaim the gospel Hallelujah. and to preach the word. And, and there's a lot of facets to that. That's not limited to staying in the pulpit. It's by song. It's by parenting. It's by one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, the majority of the discipleship we all do is one-on-one, -on -one, yeah. over the counter, sitting at the restaurant, sitting at the house, on the couch, doing life. And it's the word of God that gives the entrance of it brings what? Light. I love that. L light speaks of two things. It speaks of vision. 
I can see in the darkness with light, right? I have vision. It speaks of a second thing. It speaks of heat. It speaks of passion. So the Word of God gives us vision. I love it. Leonard Ravenel has a book called Why Revival Theories. And uh, he says that vision and, pa- and passion are the, the critical, essential elements to a, a successful Christian life. Wow. He said both of them are born in or they come out of and they're maintained by or sustained by prayer. That's where both of those come. And they come as we behold, this is a fire. Do you know that? Do you know, do you know if you have a cold heart and you sit in front of this fire long enough? I love the old line I heard when I was really young. We were talking to lots of friends that were trying to disprove the Bible and they weren't really into it. I said, hey, let them play with the sword. You play with that sword long enough, you'll get cut. Wow. I promise you. Wow. You sit in front of the fire long enough, whoo. He's coming after you. Yeah. Jeremiah says that. He goes, the word is in me like a fire. And he also says, is, he goes, Lord, is not your word like a fire and a hammer? Yeah. And that hammer breaks the hardness that comes from sin. When sin comes, our heart gets callous, our, our conscience gets seared. And then what happens is the proclamation of the word comes, or the reading of the word comes, and it breaks that off, and then we can respond again to it. But then we need to guard it again. I mean, we need to guard. We don't want to go back into that same hardness. We don't want to go back into that same activity that causes our heart to be resistant to the word. So transformation comes through the renewing of our mind. The proclamation of the gospel is very important, obviously, 2 Timothy 4. He charges Timothy. This is, my, this is actually my life passage, 2 Timothy 4. I love this. He goes, chapter 3, this is Paul's last letter, Right? He's writing to a young man, and you know he's, he's probably, we don't know exactly, but weeks or days possibly away from his death. And this is like his last word. He like releases it to Timothy. I love when he says this. Perilous times will come in the last days. He goes, but here's my antidote. So he goes on, chapter 3 is all about the perilous times, and he goes, here's what I charge you. He says, I charge you, and I charge every one of you guys today. He says, I charge you before God and before Jesus, who's going to judge you at his return. He's like, oh. Not getting out of this. This charge, I'm not getting away from it. He's making a really strong point. I don't see a single command in Scripture that is emphasized stronger than this one to Timothy. He says, I charge you in light of God who's going to judge everyone when he returns. Preach the word. Preach the word. Not your opinion. Not other people's experiences. Preach the word. Why? God has a lot. A lot. I, I can't exaggerate. He has so much confidence in his word. To change people's lives and to change their hearts. Preach it. But you'll never preach it if you haven't first heard it and done it. And if you only hear it, it's self-delusion. You begin to think because you're hearing it, that means you're doing it, and that's really dangerous. So we want to be hearers and doers. I know we want to be preachers. I don't like that lie out there. I'm just going to take a minute on this. There's a lie out there that says, preach the gospel and when necessary use words. Now, if you understand it rightly, it's, it's a fine statement. I like St. Francis of Assisi. He's a great guy. But often what people are doing there is they're justifying the lack of using words by, by just saying live a, a good lifestyle. Now, we need good lifestyles. The point of that is if you preach the word, but your life doesn't correspond with it, it's fruitless. It's hypocrisy. So we don't want that. But a lifestyle is not enough, Paul said. He goes, how are they going to hear unless there's a preacher? How are they going to get saved? And he goes, how, how are they going to preach if they're not sent? Right? I mean, that's the logic he's saying. It's crazy. God says, through the foolishness of preaching, he saves people. It's it's so strange because he's using weak, broken people to 
communicate an eternal message. In Revelation, he says the gospel is the everlasting gospel. I just have one long sermon, and I just give you a little piece. It's everlasting. Just pull out a piece of it. And God wants to put that in you, that it just comes out. And I, I promise you this, if you look at Mark 16, after Jesus ascends, it says the disciples go out, and it says this, that God, working with them, he confirmed the word with accompanying signs. God confirms the word with signs and wonders. You've got to give him a sentence that he can put an exclamation point on. He's not going to just confirm any old message. He's not going to confirm a lie. But if you'll speak the truth, he'll confirm it with power. And the greatest power is in turning a heart. It's not, I like resurrections from the dead. I like signs and wonders. And we want to be a community that lays hold of those things. But the greatest anointing that's going to come is it's Luke 1, 15. It's John the Baptist said, this guy's going to be consecrated, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's going to turn many hearts. Wow. He's going to turn hearts. Why? Because he's received the word, he's submitted to the word, and now he's proclaiming it, and God is backing it up. Jesus. And he wants to do that for all of us. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo! Are you excited? I mean, come on! Do you realize how good God is? He didn't need to give us the word. Wow. I mean, we have the light that shines in the darkness. We have the promises. The prophets of old long to look into the things that we see. I mean, this is so cool. I mean, every day, I no longer am uncertain about the purpose of life. And, man, what is this all about? Or what's the truth behind that? It's like, okay, God, what do you say? You gave me your word. I was getting hit today with it. I was reading the Bible and I go, this is so great. I have the Bible in my hand. I have God's word. Does that ever just catch you off guard and you go, my, this isn't man. Yeah, God used men to write, but this is, oh, wow, wow, thank you, God, you are, you are kind, you are really kind, and I don't want to neglect it. Okay, so now we're into the, uh, the pray reading aspect of the scripture, so it's, we want to have a conversation with him, the most uh, letter A. The most substantial way in which we can strengthen our prayer lives is by feeding on the Word. This includes uh, the simple and yet profound act of just talking with God about what you're reading. And this is a fun story. I was discipling a guy, um, high school kid from North Heights, and we were hanging out just this summer. And it's like, hey, what do you want to do? You want to read the Word? So we get the Word open, and he starts reading. And I go, stop. What, what's that say? I, go, I don't know. I go, let's ask God what it says. And so he goes, you can do that? <laughs> I was there at one point. You mean I can talk to God about what I'm reading if I don't get it? Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. It's not like, they're not divided realities in our life where it's like, I mean, I don't, I just to let you guys know, I'm like, I don't ever go pray without the Bible because I don't usually have much to say. I'm not that creative. I open it and I start reading and I go, wow, that's good. Lord, help me with that. Wow. Thank you. That's true. I agree with that. My, my emotions don't. I choose to. Jesus, help my emotions. Help heal that wound that doesn't want to agree with that. I don't. I don't know, quite know why. Wow, there's something really coming up in me. I mean, I got delivered of a lot of demons when I came to Jesus. Demons really don't like the Word of God, and uh, it's crazy. Once those critters left, uh, I just the Bible opened up. So anyway, it's just my, it's just me to say I. I hate demons. I want to cast them out of every person I meet. And if you have them, we'll get rid of them. 
But here's the danger. For the longest time I had them, but I was, yeah. I was covering them with pride, and so I wasn't going to get free. And I do some deliverance ministry, and you don't really, you don't deliver many people from the spirit of pride. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> if, you're, if you're proud, you don't need help. Yeah, yeah okay. You got it. So, uh, that all to say, um, you can talk with God about what you're reading in the Bible. And so it's cool because we started reading it, and, and every verse, he'd, he'd get a prayer, and all of a sudden it was like, it was the same thing, man. His heart began to burn. He's like, oh my goodness, this is, this is an incredible experience. And I mean, it wasn't like tongues of fire or anything crazy, but it was like, I feel movement on my heart. I feel my heart open, and I feel something's changing. And now, that doesn't happen every time. I, I don't want to produce unreality. There's times where it's dry, but I just, I go back to that Mark 4. I'm just I, I don't get how it bears fruit. Put it in the ground. You know, I mean, I grew up on a farm and we just plant trees. I don't have to explain how it grows. <laughs> Kyle worked with me. This guy prayed for me when I was in the world. Hallelujah. Wow. That was pretty hard then, wasn't it? Wow. Intercession works. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, that's another story for another day. So I'm sure this is just profound for you to sit there and go, I remember when awesome. I used to just cuss you guys out. And, oh, I needed a lot of healing. And the word can bring healing. Thank you, Jesus. So... Here's the main path. Uh, flip to John 5. This is kind of the, the basis for this kind of this method on, on, on pray reading the scripture or whatever you want to call it. And let me say this. I, I'm all about academic study of scripture. I'm all about digesting it and going deep and understanding things. And that's all really important. Now, the key is, because uh, I want to preface the statement, it's I, I want to do it with a, a spirit of devotion. I don't want an academic or a professional spirit. I mean, you can be, you need to rightly divide the word, every single one of you. And your parents or your pastor rightly dividing it isn't going to do much for you when you stand before him. So we all want to, I mean, this is intense. First Timothy 4, 16, he says, he said, Paul says to Timothy, take heed to yourself, take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. By doing so, two amazing things will happen. You'll save yourself and you'll save those who hear you. In other words, what he's saying is the reason people are going to end up in the lake of fire under the wrath of God forever is primarily because of wrong doctrine and wrong lifestyle. That's intense. And the way we begin to enter into the right lifestyle is by understanding right doctrine. And so don't ever buy into that lie in any charism. I don't care who it comes from in what pulpit. Someone that tells you that doctrine is not important. Doctrine is incredibly important, but the fruit of it needs to be love for Jesus, not self-righteousness. Does that make sense? My confidence isn't what I know about God, it's what Jesus did on the cross. And I want to know more about who that amazing God is that saved me by grace. Does that make sense? So we want to have a, we want to have a devotional spirit in our study of the scripture. Because knowledge, what? Puffs up, but love, <clears throat> love builds up. Okay, so John 5. So this is, uh, we're looking at, well, it's actually in your notes too, but you can turn there. Looking at verse 39, and um, Jesus is giving a rebuke here. And he says to those who are the most educated, who probably have the whole law memorized, yeah. the religious leaders of his day, he says, you search the scriptures, you have Bible study, for in the searching of the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, or you think you experience this isn't the bios, biological life. This is the life of God. You think that by studying the Bible, you're going to have life. 
He says, but these, this Jesus speaking, he says, these are they which testify to me. In other words, the whole Bible is testifying to Jesus. And he says, but you weren't willing. And, and what they weren't willing to do is to come to me that they may have life. Let me just say it this way. He's saying, guys, you search the scriptures so that you don't have to come to me and you can be independent from me. And the whole point of the scriptures is to testify to me so that you can begin to come into a relationship with me. And it's in the relationship with him that transformation takes place. And so we want to have dialogue. We want to have a relationship with God in the word. I want to have a history with God in the word. So the purpose is to, is to lead us into a heart connection. And uh, what happens is if, if my study of the Bible doesn't do that, if it doesn't lead me into an encounter with Jesus, it'll, it'll only serve to make me more religious. And I don't know if you remember that prayer in Luke 18. It's not a good one. It's not a good parable. He says he spoke it to those who trusted themselves, despised others, looked down on people. And, and the, the, the example is the guy who goes to pray, and he sits there and he turns his prayer into a sermon about how much better he is than everyone else. Wow. And, and this is a practical point we'll get to in a minute. But when, you, when we pray read the Bible, I don't, I don't preach to God. I don't, I don't need to. <laughs> you know that Jesus doesn't need me to preach to. So, what was I saying before that? You were talking about... Oh, the, oh, the Luke 18. Let me go back to that. And so so the, guy goes up, the guy goes up and he's praying and he's like, man, I'm glad I'm not like those people. And then the other guy comes and goes, God, be merciful to me. Just mercy, God. He, he's like, I came in. Oh. And he goes, who do you think is going to be justified? And so our confidence doesn't come from our activity. My confidence is in his blood and in the cross. And I want to grow in understanding. And I want my heart to expand to have the compassion that he had, that he exerted, so that I can recognize him when he's moving around and through me and and, in others and all those good things. So there's that Psalm 119, I've hidden your word. Oh, this is cool. Power, uh, I think this is on your notes. Is before yeah. answer. See, yeah. power comes by hiding the word of God in our hearts, which strengthens us to resist demonic lies, temptations, and sin when it comes our way. It's, it's James 4, 7. I, I always read that verse and I was like, I, how does, Lord, what does that practically mean? Because I'm always like, how, how do I hear and do what I'm reading? Submit to God. Submit to God. I submit to the word of God, I submit to the authorities of God in my life. And when I do that, it says if you submit to him, now you have power to resist. Yeah. And so it's submit and then resist. Amen. If I, I can resist all day, but if, if I'm in compromise, the enemy has legal grounds to That's do whatever he wants. Wow. Does that make sense? So one of the ways we, we submit to God is by hearing and doing. I, it has to come to a place where I... Enter into the practice of it. Because if I had the language of it, it's a really convicting passage in Revelation 3. There's a church, of, the church of Sardis has a name. They have a reputation that they're alive. They have a reputation that they're in God and they're doing it. And he says, but I see their heart and they're really dead. Wow. And, he said, and he says to him, he says, strengthen that which remains. Don't get caught up in, in the, don't get caught up in even ministry and thinking that that's what it's all about. Does that make sense? Okay. I don't want a name. I don't want a reputation with you. I want a reality with God in here. 
And if I if I lose the reality with God in here, I I need to sit down because I, I don't want to deceive myself into thinking that because I'm hearing that that automatically means I'm doing. Because here's going to be the cool part about this community. We're going to be people to hear and do, and here's what's going to happen. Jesus says both houses, both of them, sand and the rock, they get tested. And it's not until the test that you understand who's on the foundation. And here's what's going to happen. All of a sudden, you're going to recognize all these people around you that built their life on the rock, and people are going to flock to them. So Daniel prophesies. He says, those that are wise and have understanding will instruct many. And he's talking in the context of the last days. He's talking about in the context of the Antichrist specifically raging against believers. And he says, if you've established your heart, and the word of God has taken root on the inside, you're unmovable. It doesn't matter what storm is thrown at you. And not only that, it's going to save others. So this is more than about me. This is about us wanting to be a refuge for the city, wanting to be a refuge for non-believers that they can enter into the, the wisdom of your life. Your name, Amen to that? Amen. 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 Come on, Levi. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to get into the real practicals of prayer reading the Bible. This is straight from Mike Bickle, so I'm not taking credit for it. Uh, letter C. But I found it to be really helpful, really practical, and then we're going to do it. Uh, we're going to pray read a little, just through a few verses in John 15. And I'm going to have you guys break up in groups of two or three, ask the Holy Spirit for a passage of Scripture, and then pray read through it together based on these two principles. So, letter C. When reading, there's two primary categories of truth related to uh, the Word of God and Depending on the truth, our prayer is either to believe and agree with that truth or to obey and act upon. Can you think of a, a truth that's that, in the word that you need to agree and believe? Shout a couple out. Jesus is Christ. Come on. You are the righteousness of yes. God in Christ. Yes. Yes. Any, any more? I mean, <laughs> places. Seated with God in heavenly places. Yes. You have the mind of Christ. So there's these truths that we read and we go, I agree with that. Whether it's about God or it's about us in him or about the realities, there's there's a vast amount of them. And so those truths we agree with. And then there's truths that are commands like bear one another's burdens, forgive and bless your enemies. And eat honey. Go and do life. Go and do life. <laughs> <laughs> and so, exactly. Carry your cross. And so those things we want to ask God. To, to help us, we want to, first we want to commit to him and say, God, I, I see this command, I commit in my heart. Right now, I'm committing to this truth, and, and Holy Spirit, help. Holy Spirit, strengthen me, empower me. So, letter D, we actively dialogue with God on these truths, and I said that, that we thank him for that truth. Like, thank you, Jesus, that you are the faithful witness. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the first fruits of the resurrection. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. So we thank him, and then we say, Holy Spirit, I want to know more about that. I want to know more about it. Holy Spirit, I know there's an infinite amount of understanding on that singular characteristic of Jesus or the Father or the Spirit. Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to say that every time I read through the Bible that I, I hit every verse with these, but you'll begin to have your mind... Uh, looking for and recognizing certain truths and going, oh, oh, wow, Jesus, I want to, okay. So the second one, letter E, is the, the calls to obey. We commit ourselves and then we ask God to empower us 
For example, um, Lord, give us wisdom and, and motivation and, and grace to, you know, tame our tongues and to be humble and to walk in meekness and to love one another. You know what I'm saying? So all those things we, we commit and then we ask God for help. And you'll be surprised if you do this. If you do this, God will release power on your on your life, on your spirit, on your mind, on your heart, and you'll begin to see a change. Now, if you go do it for one day and you want to argue, I promise you this works. Guaranteed. You come back in two months, you come back in six months, your life will be different. Your emotional makeup will be different. Your will will be aligned with truth. Your mind will be renewed. You'll have you'll have life. This doesn't mean you're not going to have suffering and trials, and but but we can count it joy. Because I, I, I have now the mind and the perspective of God, so I can actually respond rightly to my yeah. circumstance. Get delivered from demons. Oh, Man, demons, yeah, demons just go out reading the word. I mean, that's powerful. I remember pray reading, I, I got this book given to me called Breaking Generational Curses and Addictions of the Word. And I, it was simple. It was, she'd talk about a topic, pride. Have a few verses, prayer. Pray through the scripture, renounce, commanding demon. This literally happened to me. I got done reading this, and I, I, was, I was at BioLife. Giving plasma in. <laughs> so they were like, are you sure you didn't give too much blood? No, no really. I, I get done. It's a short book, 60 pages. I leave, and, and no joke. All of a sudden, I started recognizing, oh, there's colors. Wow, I don't have an immediate need to smoke a cigarette. Wow, something changed. Really, it's powerful. So pray, pray to God. We hate demons. They're real, and we want to kick them out of people, and Jesus has authority over them. He's disarmed all of them. And the Bible says you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. So another uh, point F, take time to journal your thoughts. I have notebook after notebook from basically the beginning of my walk with Jesus, and actually they're my most prized possessions. And I can look back to 2008 in the spring and open up and say, wow, this is what God was speaking to me, and this is what was going on in my life. And I mean not every day, but... The majority of them, and I used to think that was kind of feminine, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's impacted my life. I, I'm, I'm all about journaling. So, yeah, no shame. Hallelujah. But masculinity is not in all those things. It's in the Father. The Father saying, you are my beloved son. Hallelujah. Um, a couple more points, letter G. Take time. Take time. Don't. A lot of times we're like, it's about how much scripture I read. If you don't even... Think about what you're reading. Just slow down. It's okay. It's not a race. Slow down. Linger. Some people call this soaking. I never learned how to soak until a few years ago. That It's okay to just be in God's presence and let him minister to me and have my Bible open and read a verse and pray in tongues and get distracted and say, I love you, Jesus. Help. Get me focused. I'm thinking about I have 10 responsibilities today. And, uh, yeah, you know, you know how it is. It's real. It's real life. But I, I just keep doing it. And, and speaking affectionately, I write slowly, softly, not shouting or preaching. We hit that. Just short phrases. And, I mean, when we do that, when we dial down, all of a sudden God just starts speaking. And you'll start. Here's one of the fun parts for me is when I get in the Word and I plan on going here, and all of a sudden another verse comes to mind. And I flip there and I go, wow, those are related. And I get in the and I'm like, Wow, God, there's, there's a lot of mysteries and treasures. It says that, Matthew 22. It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Go on a journey. Okay, 
So Ian Bounds' quote is cool. He says, let it be said that no two things are more essential to a spirit-filled life than Bible reading and secret prayer. Okay, John 15. We're going to pray through a couple of scriptures, and we're going to split up. And on the just so you know, on the back of your notes, there's like seven resources, different books I've read that have helped in prayer and the Bible. Ian Bounds' Complete Works, Intercession by Dutch Sheets. There's a couple more. The one that we have for sale back there. So, John 15. I'm going to read a verse, and here's what I want. I want... A, I want you to just speak out a prayer related to what we talked about, right? So you either agree with the truth or you commit to obeying a truth and then you ask for either grace to obey or you ask for more understanding, right? So we're going to read through a couple of verses, talk about it, and you'll be shocked. I did this with a group of students at Northwestern. Were you guys there, Amy? Were you guys there last year when we did this at, at uh, Discipleship in the Ark? I know, I know a few students were there, and the craziest thing happened. We did this. We opened the Bible. We started praying it, and people were like, oh, my goodness. Works. Whoa. I never saw that before. It was, it was cool. So John 15, 1. I'm going to read it, and then we'll just pray, some script, just pray off of it. So Jesus speaking. This is his um, upper room discourse right before he's going to lay down his life. Great teaching, by the way, on the Holy Spirit, chapters 14 and 16, yes. if you've got questions. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So you're reading that. What's he saying? All of life flows from you. Thank you, Jesus, that you sustain my life. Holy Spirit, reveal more of that. Holy Spirit, even right now, I ask you to reveal more. Jesus is the vine. He says, my Father is the vine dresser. What does the vine dresser do? Here's what happens to begin to think about, wow, Father, you're a vine dresser. And it, it's, he's going to hit it in the next verse, slowly. Spirit, reveal more about the Father. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Thank you that your motive is that I bear more fruit. You see how this begins to dismantle accusation? The devil says, God's a harsh discipline. Holy Spirit, thank you that I have a good Father. Father, thank grace. Father, discipline me in areas where I'm up. See how this, if you could spend a half hour on that verse. Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, wow, what is that new? I mean, is this something that you guys have done at some point where you, it's not just plow through as much material as you can, but you begin to talk to a God who's seated on a throne, whose Son is at his right hand, whose Spirit lives inside of you, and he wants to give understanding. It's real. This is true. Jesus is the vine. He is the avenue to which all life is sustained, all life is offered. I mean, you can start. I was just pre-reading through this earlier today myself. I was like, that is so intense. And this is actually the seventh and the last I am statement that Jesus is giving, which is him proclaiming his deity. He's like, I am the vine. Verse three, you are already clean because of the word. Which I we agree with that. Yes. We agree, Jesus. Thank you that we are clean. Thank you that I'm clean. We are washed by the word. We are washed by the blood. Jesus, you have cleansed us. Thank you for speaking to me. You speak. Word cleanses us. Thank you. Your word guides us. Yes, God. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. There it is. Father, help me remain. Help me to stay. Convict me when I'm drifting. 
I mean, it gives you language to talk to God. I, I'm not smart enough to just have really good prayer. I just pray what I read. Yeah. And you just, you begin to see, wow. I mean, not every verse, I mean, some is historical truth that doesn't, it doesn't make it this easy. Does that make sense? But as you do, Paul, you got something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on. This is good. Keep going. Come on. What's next? Verse 4. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Oh, there it is. Jesus. Thanks, I'm dependent on you. I am so dependent on you. There it is. I, I can't do anything apart from you. Jesus, I am so dependent on you to bear any fruit in my life. Thank you that you make it easy. I commit to abiding in you. I commit. To being dependent upon you. Without me, you can do nothing. Anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. God, I ask for those that are not connected to the vine yet. Father, I ask that you would convict them. God, that they would be pruned and that they would bear fruit. That they would become one. That they would receive the life that is being offered through Jesus Christ. You see how this just, I mean, this is fun. This is my entertainment. You might think that's weird. I never would have believed you if you would have told me that. I love this stuff. Yes. God is alive. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Amen. Amen. I just want to say a prayer. I want to pray for don't think they can do this. Who think that he can do it, but you can't. Father, I thank you that we can do this. Thank you that I can do this. I thank you that I can feast on your word, and it will satisfy me. That I can grow and understand as I feast by your spirit. So here's what we're going to do. And then we'll we'll come back and finish. But let's take like five to seven minutes. Grab a couple people around you. Just spin around. Grab a passage of scripture. Maybe you want to keep going through John 15. Maybe you want to jump somewhere else. And just take, read a verse together. And then if you read the verse, pray off of it. Next person, next verse, and just do that. We're not done yet. We're, We're not, not done. We're going to come back. In a minute. We want to have a, a time of commitment. So we want to do this, and then we'll come back. Amen. 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 Grab your Bibles. Hallelujah. <laughs> I know it's hard to pull you out of this, man. Y'all are experiencing the fire. Some of you are, aren't you? Hallelujah. Let's just, let's just come back for a minute. Just for a minute. We're going we're gonna to give an opportunity to respond to what you guys have received from Paul's awesome word to schedule a prayer time, Andy's word to have a list and have a right perspective of God, and then, and then bringing in the dynamic of pray reading the Bible. How many of you guys are like enjoying that? It's fun, isn't it? We're going to fall in love with the Bible. I promise you. We're going to fall in love with it. So here's what we want to do next. It's just a couple minutes here. Here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to give you an opportunity, to, not as much to respond before your peers as much as before heaven today, to make a commitment. And the first commitment is to scheduling a prayer time. That that's fairly new for me. And and let me just add in with that that different seasons that time will change and can change. And it's not like I committed that night to do that 8 a.m. and can I move it? Yes. Okay. It can be at 10 p.m. or noon or whatever. So, but I'll, how many of you before this series started had a scheduled prayer time? A few? 
Okay? Okay, so we want to have an opportunity to just, if, if through these last three weeks, you go, I'm in for all this. I want, I want to commit to a, print, a scheduled prayer time, a prayer list, and uh, I don't know how this fits into it, but I want to bring the Bible into those. Well, your prayer list is just yeah, the Word. Amen. And you go, I want to do that. I want to give you an opportunity to stand. I just want to pray for you guys. Hallelujah. I just want to pray for grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. This is about making a, a declaration before your Father. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us insight. I just pray that you would put on people's heart a time, maybe even where they're going to meet God. So, Father, we come before you right now. We just commit ourselves, God. We see the command in Scripture, God, to live a life of prayer without ceasing. God, help us. To, to schedule that time. Lord, I ask you to release grace upon every heart and mind here. Lord, we just make a commitment before you. And we make a commitment that even when we blow, we're going to get back up and get in it. We're, we're not going to drift for eight months and come under condemnation and guilt. Jesus, we just commit. Let our hearts burn. God, we want burning hearts. We want to encounter Jesus. We want to be changed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, God, for grace that you would put a hedge of protection, that that time would be holy to you. God, that when other things come up, that you would give grace to, in humility, say, I have a meeting that day. I have a meeting with the king, the king of kings. Lord Jesus, grace, 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 God. Keep us from discouragement. He will begin a good work in you. We'll bring it to completion. He can make it happen. He can make it happen in you. He believes that this is going to happen now. And we come against the lie that says you're missing out. We come against the lie that says it's not worth it. It is the wisdom of God. It is the wisdom of God. Build your life upon the rock. Be a hearer and a doer. God, we commit to be hearers and doers. We want to be those that are found standing in the midst of the storm. God, that can be a refuge to others. God, let our roots grow down deep. You said in Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And upon it, he meditates day and night. Holy Spirit, give us a hunger to meditate. Give us a delight in the word of God. Father, feed us every day. Give us this day our daily bread. That is our prayer, Jesus. Release your fire in this room. Fire on hearts. Hearts that have been cold and hardened and have believed the lie that they can't do it, that it's too difficult, we just say you can. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. You have everything necessary for life and godliness. Hallelujah. Whatever words you want to use. Father, we just commit. Our life is not our own. We've been bought with a price. Strengthen us, God. Holy Spirit, strengthen our resolve. Even when we don't feel like it, God. Faith arise. Let faith arise. I want to give an opportunity to, if, if any of you grew up in a house where 
you were under that that condemnation and that, that legalism of feeling like you had to perform with the word that it was always you were always falling short. If that was you, I want you to raise your hand because we want to we want to pray for that because the Lord wants to break that lie. Hallelujah. Lay hands on those around you that had their hand raised. You are free. Galatians 5. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. Christ has made you free. You'll never earn it through Bible reading. It is your delight to encounter the truth. God, that hunger and fire would arise in hearts. Jesus, we come against those lies. We come against every religious spirit that would try to rob us from our joy in the word of God. Every distraction. We bind every lying spirit. And God, we ask for the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. Like John, God, uneducated. We say we are uneducated and untrained, but we have been with Jesus. We commit to being with Jesus. Our confidence is in Jesus. It's all about Jesus. You'll never earn it. It's already yours. Just go on the discovery. It's already yours. It's already yours. He paid the price. Thank you. Give us understanding. Just like you do with those two men on that road. God, we ask you to open up our understanding that we might comprehend. We might encounter you in the scriptures. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you can look back and regret now and say, I should have started earlier. I should have made this happen before. We don't have to regret. We can look ahead. So by your grace, God, today is different. Tomorrow is different. By your grace, I don't have to look back. Lady, look back and she turned into salt. We're not looking back. We're looking ahead. We're looking to our future. What God got. We're going to let the enemy hit us for what we haven't done in the past. We're looking to what we will do now by God's grace. It gives us a new direction. Sets us on a new path. So cleanse us, Lord. Protect us from the enemy who would accuse us of what we have not done. We do repent, God. We do repent tonight. We're sorry that we've neglected your word. We're sorry that we have not treated it with the respect that it deserves. We thank you for the message tonight that burns in our heart. It says it can happen in me too. And we believe that. We believe for you to do that in our hearts in the days ahead. A wonderful promise. God is at work within you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He puts a will within you and then he brings it to pass. And then he rewards you for doing it. It's grace at every point. So God, thank you that you're giving us a will to do this tonight. We're going to make it happen with them. Trust you. We're going to have prayer ministry up here. Now, for those who want to, to come and have prayer ministry, maybe you want to stay right where you are and pray with some people, or maybe you, maybe you want to get something to eat. There's an offering plate there if you want to uh, give to the ministry of Communitas. I'll be meeting upstairs now with uh, either new people or those who haven't been with me yet. just like to get acquainted with you, get to know you better. So uh, that group can come up. Let's say thanks to the Lord. Let's say thanks to the Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Let's say thanks to Clint. You know, he paid a price for your message. Thank you, Clint. Okay. Just a last thing. As we make these decisions and choices to move forward, don't waste time. Like comparing your one day to the next day, don't yeah, waste any time okay. doing that. Um, you know, some of the mentors I have, they just make the decision every day. Lord, I'm going to go after you as hard as I can every just just today. Just wake up in the morning and say that. If I have a good day tomorrow, I'm not going to spend Friday comparing Friday to Wednesday. It's just a giant waste of time. Just look at the Lord. Say, you know, Lord, you're my shepherd. Lead me by still waters and green pastures. And just do that every day. And don't, you know, analyze this after a week. That's right. See what happens 10 years from now. Yeah. See where your heart yep. is. We're on it for the yeah. long haul. Yeah. 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 You want decades. Yeah. Yeah. Decades. Yeah. So, just do me upstairs. Do me upstairs. If you want to come up and get permits, otherwise, feel free to minister to each other. God bless you guys. Have a great day.